Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. Welcome to Great Scott. It's your true crime, Phil, on this Friday afternoon or whenever you decide to watch this fantastic show. Um, America's most respected detective is MIA. I'm a little worried. It's unlike him. I'm sure he'll be popping on with a third Ferrari in the background, but uh, only time will tell. Of course, this is the podcast that brings you the very best guests in all of true crime. And I'm patting myself on the back for not only putting that countdown in, but the opening animation single-handedly, the COE is actually hanging out with this lady right now and my children. So she's like, you're on your own. And uh, so I just figured that out. And uh, Space Coast uh, is uh, out there. So uh, hopefully he's going to join us on the chat momentarily. Um, Hope everybody is having a good Friday. You guys all know Scott Duffy. He is uh, America's most respected FBI agent. How about that? Uh, He was with the Delaware office of the FBI for 20 years. Uh, prior to that, five and a half years as a Philadelphia police officer. Scott Duffy, are you worried about um, Phil Waters? I'm going to text him right now, live on STS Nation here. Just one correction. So I was in Lower Marion, which was a suburb of Philadelphia. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. I know Lower Marion. Isn't that a Kobe Bryant land? It is, and I had a chance to meet him. when he was still in high school, so. You did, and that's a very um, upscale neighborhood, so how was it being a police officer in Lower Marion? I love it. Bill Cosby's from there too, right? Just outside, like he's um, he's closer to my neck of the woods in, I believe, Sheltonham. Mm. And uh, yeah, Lower Marion just, just had quite a, it was the who's who of who was living in certain spots, but just a great community overall. Look at this. Look at this. Mystic Mama. Go Phillies. I am sporting a little nostalgic for, for of course, CrimeCon because I, I debuted this CrimeCon for Phil, but also because of the great win we had Wednesday. So, uh, Phil Waters says, stand by. Is this what he uh-huh. says? So he's coming. Um, this, this comment's great here. I always, again, I always wonder what people think on Fridays. Michelle Salter, hello from Salem, Oregon. My husband knows I'm watching STS and brought me a glass of wine. I love nice. to hear that. Uh, I'm going to be having a few of those later tonight. Um, and Frankie Figs, uh, another correction. America's best detective is now Scott. <laughs> uh, there you go. You, you snooze, you lose. Look at what's going on with, with uh, Phil Waters. Uh, love STS, especially Fridays with Scott and Phil, the best host in COE. The COE uh, bailed on me. I'm a poet, and I know it. And uh, there you go. Um, what do you think Phil's excuse is going to be, Scott? Oh, I'm sure it's going to be some car-related. A weather, Ferrari, something. Uh, my guess is um, something that he did not want to hear from his mechanic. That'd be mm. my bet. You know what? You're right. It's going to be another mechanic call. I guarantee it. Uh, Jimmy and Jeannie Castellano. I haven't seen you guys in a long time. They come to us from Portland, Oregon. Friends of the show. They're uh, big followers, big part of the community. So thank you, uh, Jimmy and Jeannie. And then you got Peony Pink from Australia, lest you think we are not the future. Tiff Knox is Phil Phil coming in hot. I hope he comes in at all. Um, He said, and I am uh, what they do in TV. They call it vamping. Uh, that's when you try to uh, 
hold off the audience until uh, your live shot is ready to go. That is a TV term, vamping. So I'm vamping right now. Again, Uncle Phil says, stand by. So I'm standing by, but we're going to start in a moment. Uh, just looking at some of these awesome uh, comments here. Hi, SGS Nation from Donna Wheeler. Uh Mish in Cape Town, South. I mean, that's it, so weird, isn't it, Scott Duffy, that someone is watching us in Cape Town, South Africa. That's a bizarre yeah, thought. And not only world. that, it's it's Mish, who's um, she's hilarious. She's all over the, the Twitter, all over the Instagram. She knows more about true crime than anyone. And uh, I am left to fend my for myself. What what else can you do? Um, Scott forces the women crazy. Oh, look at this! It took me a second to figure this out. <laughs> Hope your wife is not watching. Scott forces the women crazy. That's what he drives. Drives them crazy. I love it. Um, love your Aloha shirt. Not from anyone, but from Aloha 808. Mm -hmm. uh, should we bet on Phil's excuse? Uh, we just said uh, that it's definitely going to be a mechanic issue. Um, maybe Nugget needed a walk. Mm -hmm. uh, what if Nugget turned on Phil and bit him in like the neck? Ooh, and Phil yeah. had to go to the ER. That'd be uh, God forbid. By the way, I just want to say something. Um, this is a complete free plug for this show. But there's a show called Night Watch on A&E, uh, and they should be paying me to say this. But I'm addicted to that show. Uh, I cannot stop watching. Have you ever seen that show? I haven't. So A&E Night Watch. I watched the – I think it was the Night Agent. Yeah, you. Yeah, there was a movie called The Night Agent, but Night Night Watch is very simple. It's just super well done. It's Dick Wolf Productions, and uh, they follow EMS from New Orleans. And I don't know what it is. I just they have amazing character. It's a reality show. It just follows guys in an ambulance all around New Orleans. The whole show. It's like they have like six or seven uh, calls that they answer each show, and. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, it's just weird. I, I love the show. So uh, if you guys are looking for a show, let me know if you like it or if you think I'm a total moron. Um, Matri says, uh, my favorite guys, Fridays are the best. Joel, Darling Scott, and Uncle Phil, where are you? I look forward to your Friday chat so much. Awesome shirt, Scott. Watching from Switzerland. My grandmother lived in Switzerland. I used to go there every summer to Lausanne. Mm. Hi from England. My favorite, Mabel. Of course, my beloved Mabel Rose. Look at this. Scotland. Uh, Jimmy says that they have been watching so many new cases. It's hard to keep up with. Hello from South Africa. Look at this. Hello from Denmark. Wow. Uh, Agent Duffy. Uh, terrific matching shirt and glasses. Looking good. Uh, J. Thomas Reset. I want to see Phil sitting in traffic, stuck behind an old BW mm. bug in his Ferrari, mm -hmm. revving the engine, fuming, paints a picture. Um, <laughs> good. I don't want to say that I don't want to see that, Jay Thomas reset. That would actually be kind of funny. Um, I don't think Phil would be happy. Uh, on the big island, I think, don't think there's tons of traffic. In Houston, that could definitely be. Uh, look at this. Look at this from Laura Waldy. Night Watch is awesome. Uh, Future says, I like Nightwatch. It's a great show. I don't know why I love it, but I do. Um, and I like, I'm one of these guys that like, uh, like I'm like a squirrel. Like I collect my little nuts and keep them in a corner. Like I'll only watch like one or two episodes. Whereas the COE, she doesn't care, but she would watch. Like if it's a show she likes, like Indian matchmaking was on. I left the house like, 14 hours later, I come back and she's still watching it. She binged every episode of that, which I have to say was a pretty entertaining show. Hello from mm -hmm. Poland. Um, I don't know how much longer I can just, uh, 
Look at this. My friend Michael Couture, we were battling a little bit over uh, Tupac, but I'm happy to see Michael back. The guy is a uh, friend of the show, follows the show. Phil is definitely busy listening to MLK's <laughs> drum major <laughs> after reading the criticism of his. Thank you for that, Michael. Uh, I like that we can, uh, I don't know, have our differences a little bit. Uh, Tali here. Uh, the crazy thing is that Nugget isn't Phil's biological puppy. No, he did not give birth to Nugget as I gave birth to Mabel. You ask my kids and they will tell you that Mabel came out of my belly. Uh, I wonder what her true parents feel about her being a star. Uh, we have to ask Nugget that question. Millie D, love Nightwatch. All right, I'm just going to get into this here because uh, look at this, Maria from Spain. That is that archetype, Maria? Let me know, Maria, if that is a different uh, Maria. Um, J. Thomas Reset says, I like Night Court. I feel like mm -hmm. Scott Duffy would have liked Night Court. Yep. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I, I, I had that intuition. Um, the original? Because I know, didn't they come out with a remake? Just. Um, this is a. Oh, I don't. Yeah. You know what? I think they did actually. Mm -hmm. I think they did. And I think, didn't the, didn't the guy die recently? Tall, bald guy? The, the bailiff dude? Yeah. So, right. And I think, I think some he, of the returning characters, but. Oh, look at this. Oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Here oh, we go. And you know what? Now he's going to have the audacity to tell me to flip you guys. Are you? Wait, wait. no. Is Phil usually down low? Is Phil uh, usually? No, this is, where I, this is my normal spot. So, so <laughs> Phil, um, for 10 minutes, I've been uh, basically talking about nonsense waiting for you. And the. Uh, well. The, uh, hold on. That. Hold on. The odds you're on. You're good at that, Joel. The odds on bets are that you were on the call with your uh ferrari mechanic is that true well that's correct uh <laughs> what do i, what do I so get predictable phil what do i get yeah, so that was the uh the other bet was that uh nugget turned on you and bit you in the neck no no, no no nugget no. would never do that no no okay. no it was a uh between talking to uh to lawyers and uh on some cases that I have, and then uh, the, the the phone call that I was just on when you sent the text message was my mechanic here, so I have to go pick up the the three hundred eight tomorrow morning. So sorry about that. I, the, the time just got away from me. I have no excuse. I you was tardy. So uh, still, you have every excuse in the world. But what about? So what's wrong with the red Ferrari? Oh, nothing now. No. Nothing well, now. What was wrong with it? Why is it in the shop? <clears throat> well, the uh, the um, oil pan needed to be worked on a little bit, and uh, so that was done. And then I, my my fans up in the front that cooled the engine down, one of them wasn't working. That had to be fixed. And then my parking lights on the front bumper and uh, right turn signal weren't working, so that's all done. So it is all uh, back up to speed, and... Uh, and the world is wonderful in Ferrari land for Phil. Mm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, Shelly Raposa, there were a lot of questions thrown our way in your 10-minute absence. Uh, Joel <laughs> well, Scott. You'll just have to take it out of my chip. Yes, I will. Uh, <laughs> Joel and Scott regarding CrimeCon. What was Poot like, Dick Harpootlian? Did you, I did not attend his talk. I did not have time. Uh, both Scott and I did speak to him for a short time, and so did Carm. Mm -hmm. Carm, I think I mentioned this on a previous couple of shows. She um, unintentionally insulted him by calling him the wrong name and then asking him if he could play an instrument the way Creighton Waters can. 
And again, I asked Carm, why would you unintentionally insult him? And she looked at me and said, unintentionally, uh, meaning that she was doing it uh, purposefully all along. But what did you think of uh, Dick Harpootley and Scott Duffy? You mean like when you met him? Oh, yeah. No, just him and so many others were just. I, 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 I was just, I think I was in starstruck most, most of my days there. So, mm. yeah, yeah. I love them all. Yeah. Um, he was a nice guy. You know, he was a decent enough guy. I think that Scott and I may have caught him. And I mean this with all uh, utmost due respect, maybe after like three or four drinks, because he was a little yeah. uh, turned around. And a lot of people asked me that in his photo. But look. He's entitled, uh, and it was a Friday night, and uh, he seemed happy. So I don't know. Um, Who is come- this? this is Dick Harpootlian at CrimeCon. Someone was asking how Dick Harpootlian was at CrimeCon. The defense attorney for uh, for Alec Murdoch. Yes, I was. Yeah. I was a little surprised that they were all there together. <laughs> I was too. I mean, given the circumstances under which they're trying to get this court clerk involved in this thing, it was as though that's going to make any difference. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was kind of, I didn't meet any of those guys. In fact, I never met Creighton Waters. Uh, kind of wanted to meet him, but, uh, we, Carm was uh, not only met Creighton Waters, but danced with him again. We're 13 mm-hmm. minutes in. I always wonder what a new viewer is thinking right now. If they're just like, is this the worst show I've ever seen? Yeah. Or if they think Very like, well. They turned it off already. Okay. Um, <laughs> Terry Fairfield says Phil's on Hawaiian time. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Scott Duffy, not one to rub it in. So the Phillies were playing the Marlins. And of course, Scott Duffy's got great seats and sends me a photo from the Phillies game to rub in the fact that they were up seven, nothing. But I told him former FBI, the Phillies should have those guys in the front row. He had good seats, but they could have been better, but they're good seats. Scott Duffy. All right, let's get into some let's get into some of the news here. Um, and we're going to start off here with uh, some reporting from a guy named Steve Helling, who's actually a very good true crime reporter. And he's been all over. Uh, Phil Waters, have you ever heard of Jean Benet Ramsey? Oh, uh, the name sounds familiar. Yes. So she's a young uh, girl who went uh, basically missing and then found dead back on December 26, 1996. Uh, of course, the father, John Ramsey, finds his daughter's body in the basement of their Boulder home. Uh, that was seven hours later that he finds the body. Uh, for many, many years, John and Patsy and the son, Burke, who's now an adult, and believe it or not, John Benet would be 33 years old. It's so crazy to think of that. They were all under the umbrella of suspicion um, for all this time. Um John Ramsey, and this is a quote, and then we will get uh, Phil and Scott's take on this. He said, I've got a few quotes from him, and I'm just going to read them because the COE apparently uh, it's more important to be a mom than a a podcast producer. When I asked her to build all this stuff today, she said, buzz off. You're on your own. So here we go. So the quote from John Ramsey, I've been extremely critical of Boulder police. And he added that his criticism is now unfair because there's new police leadership who inherited this quote unquote mess. And he says, until I'm proven wrong, I have hope that the new leadership within the police department, who I was uh, impressed with, will make good on their promise to use outside help to solve this case. Scott Duffy, um, 
How important in your S? I, I, I'm going to get to this with Phil, but unbelievably, the lead detective back in '96 is still in the department. He kind of just got demoted. But how important is it for a case that's this old and cold? Is it to have a new set of eyes on the case? A new set of eyes can never hurt. It's um, especially something that's this old. And so putting it taken out of a box, if it was ever in one, and then giving it to a new set of eyes, new set of detectives and whatnot, it's always a good thing, especially having some of the older detectives perhaps that were there to, uh, to always be giving input. But this, this, this case, um, has a lot of issues, uh, on day one. And of course throughout the years. So it's, um, it's definitely not going to hurt. It's a good thing though, to, to always be keeping it in the forefront of the police mind. And I'm glad that comment about a listener with regards to having renewed hope, you know, we're not perfect, but good leadership, just like at the Gilgo murders, renewed good leadership, put together a great task force that put together a great um, resolution, not a resolution, but but at least uh, to, to charge somebody, right? It took new eyes and new leadership. So similar to this, it will it keep keeping an open mind wherever the evidence leads. There you go. Uh, Phil Waters, I bring up Jay Thomas Reset's comment about Night Court because, number one, we were talking about the show Night Court, which I bet you like, too, Phil. Did you like oh, yeah. yeah, The original one. The original. the original. Yeah, the original. But we brought it back with, you know, of course, we got to have a female judge now and all that bull crap. So, <laughs> anyway, we got to okay. be diversity, you know, all that stuff. But anyway, yeah, the original one was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Jay Thomas Reset hypothesized that the reason you were late is that you were in your red Ferrari stuck in traffic behind an old VW bug and you were cursing under your breath. How do you handle a traffic jam when you're in your luxury Ferrari and you can't rev the engine because you're just stuck behind a VW bug? How do you handle those situations? Downshift. Downshift. <laughs> Tiff Knox says, I love Carm. So, uh, Bill Waters, this is another quote from uh, John Ramsey, of course, the father of John Binet. Uh, the mother, Patsy, has uh, since passed away, and it has been, uh, Tiff says, I love Carm. But obviously, it's it's been a, a bear of a time for these people. Uh, you've been living under a rock for, you know, since 96. Here's John Binet Ramsey, and of course, her little beauty pageant photos, which I was never a big fan of this whole beauty, beauty pageant thing for these young girls, but that's a separate issue. Uh, John Ramsey said they refused, meaning the Boulder police, Phil, that almost from the beginning, they refused help from almost the beginning, and that has been the whole tragedy of this thing. They've refused help from the outside, and they've got to accept it. There's some indication that they are now headed in the right direction. Of course, she was found, John Binet, uh, strangled uh, with a rope around her neck, a garrote, uh, she also had a broken skull from a blow to the back of her head. An autopsy showed that the official cause of death of Jean Benet Ramsey was asphyxia by strangulation. And the interesting thing is, a handwritten ransom note was also found at the scene. Same question to you, uh, Phil Waters. Uh, what do you think a new set of eyes is going to do uh, for this case? And then we'll get into the DNA issue right after that. Well, that 
kind of the purpose of cold case squads in general is to provide a fresh set of eyes into these cases that have lingered for so long. And I know in my own experience that I have had cases that were lingering for months, sometimes a year or so. And in a moment, I'll go back and reevaluate those cases and see if there's something that I missed and, or my, my partner may look at them so forth and so on. So, um, I, there's never a downside to a fresh set of eyes and in what they have developed now in this particular case, um, which I will say, this is the same thing I said last week that a bunch of people didn't hear, apparently, is that I'm always encouraged and glad when new information comes about that may lead to the solving of a cold case, especially when they are high profile. And so um, I'm encouraged again with this one. I met uh, Mr. Ramsey very briefly at CrimeCon last year. He was there up on the stage talking about this case, answering questions over so on. So, um, and this is, I mean, as a father, this kind of thing he's been living with for decades is, is, uh, it's horrible. And, you know, when he, uh, did I hear you say that he was kind of quasi apologizing for being critical of the Boulder police? A little bit. I mean, no, no, he, he was actually just admitting that he had been critical and that now well, that there's new leadership, we'll get into who's new there. Now that there's new leadership, he's basically, he believes if I understand it correctly, that he should sort of uh, ease off them now that there's new leadership and let them do their work moving forward. Well, that, that's very gracious of him. Yes. Uh, I would have to say he's showing some grace there. And that's, that says a lot about him um, in terms of being critical of the Boulder police at the beginning of this thing. And throughout, I don't know if it was last week, or whenever it was, but, Horrible, horrible when this thing happened. Mm. The police response to that particular scene was, was derelict. And that's why there's so much confusion over the decades. And again, this, this new piece of information, I'm praying that that's going to answer the number one question, which is who did this? Phil, how can a how can a crime scene? For, I mean, Boulder, you know, it's not the biggest city in America, but it's a well-known city. How can a, a police department botch an investigation so badly? But I guess the same could be asked of Ellen Greenberg in Philadelphia. They let them clean clean the crime scene. I mean, how well, does that happen? Don't, don't there have to be absolute protocols in place, Phil? Well, there there are, and that's kind of apples and oranges. Comparison, comparing that scene, but this one, uh, I think I shared that the chief of police at the time in Boulder was a former deputy chief in Houston, the Houston Police Department, mm -hmm. Tom Kobe. and uh, you would have thought that he would have brought some of that experience to that department to shore up maybe some places that were that needed some additional training or protocol, that kind of thing. But any, any, I mean, 
any department has to recognize that when you have a homicide scene, the first thing is you secure it. That should be the basic function of, of the primary patrol officer that shows up at that scene is to find out what's happened, get witnesses, which is what you have at that moment, maybe potential suspects, possible suspects. They need to be removed from the scene, placed in separate cars, interviewed separately by the officers responding so that they can provide information to the homicide intake desk about what they're going to send a pair of detectives out to. Uh, so that whole, that whole scene was compromised from the beginning. And I've seen the interview with the detective that was sent out there initially. And her story is, is that she was not allowed to do the things that she knew she should have done at that scene for whatever reasons, high profile, upper income, upscale neighborhood, you know, whatever decisions were made back then to, <clears throat> excuse me, to minimize what they were going to, uh, did not serve this investigation well. And, and then at the end of it, it doesn't serve uh, John Bonet well. It doesn't serve that family well. And, uh, and it certainly made the Boulder Police Department look like a bunch of buffoons. And then it just continued on. I mean, the DA, I mean, it just continued to be this self-perpetuating, look how stupid we are in Boulder, Colorado, when it comes to investigating a homicide. So um, now it appears they've got someone, as Scott has alluded to, we've got somebody that has taken uh, a handle on this thing in, in a purposeful way to try to get this thing focused on where they need to be. And as a result, it looks like we've got some new, some new evidence. So, um, kudos to Mr. Uh, Ramsey there for showing such grace, but I don't think his criticisms were unwarranted by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Twyla Olson with a super sticker. Thank you so much. We've been waiting so long for this darling to get justice and hopefully we see it come to fruition. Uh, Mish in Cape Town, South Africa. This is the best show I've ever seen. Uh, that is high praise. And uh, wow. you know what? I have to admit that I believe the same. And not because it's my show, because of Phil and Scott and just the community. I think that we should be on during the Super Bowl halftime show, um, personally. Um, I think that's how big we've gotten. I think that's how big we're going to get. It might not happen this year, Phil, that they ask us to you know, do a show at halftime of the Super Bowl, but it's going to happen. And you know what the best thing is? I feel like we could go up against America's Got Talented or American Idol. We don't have to change our sets. We just come from our low-resolution basements with Jaws posters. America will eat this up alive. Um, one thing I have is a uh, an understanding of what Americans want and South Africans, and they want the show great scott it's your true crime phil mark my words 
the next five years will be on during the Super Bowl halftime show. That's how big the show is. And look, it's echoed by Tiffany, the best show. She comes to us from uh, Mexico, Mabel, UK, the beautiful Mabel, uh, named after my darling. By the way, I'm going to put this up. Please follow me at Surviving the Survivor on Instagram. Phil, you say you do not believe in coincidences. Scott Duffy say you do not believe in coincidences. I have photographic proof on my phone. I'm going to put it on Instagram after the show. When my son, Judah, was born, he is now four years old. He was born in Los Angeles. You all know that I'm obsessed with my dog, Mabel Rose. Her name is Mabel Rose. I go into my son's delivery room, and you know how the nurses write their names? One nurse's name was Mabel. The second uh, nurse who came in, her name was Rose. And I have each name on the whiteboard. You know how the nurses write their names? Phil Waters, is there any chance that it's coincidence that my beloved Mabel Rose was the name of the nurses who brought my son into this world in your mind? Is that coincidence? No. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if there's not, if that's not a sign from the man upstairs, I don't know what is. You have to follow me on Surviving the Survivor uh, Instagram page. I'm going to post those photos. You decide for yourself if Mabel and Rose were the nurses for Judah Mac. If that was pure coincidence or a sign from above, you let me know. And uh, his, not, name, and your, his son's name is Judah. Judah, yes. Like, like, like Yehuda like in Israel, uh, like Old Testament, yes. like Judah. Correct, like the warrior of the Jewish people, Judah Maccabee. I will tell you this. So Jesus Christ is known as the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. Lion of Judah. I I have a Lion of Judah little pendant that I wear since my son's birth. He is the Lion of Judah. And I am a Leo, and I'm a lion because I'm a Leo. So Well, we have that in common. So am I. When's your birthday, Phil? August 17th. Ah. I love the fact that we're both Leo. Scott, when's your birthday? It was just, you just had it. It was at Crime Con. Don't yeah. tell me. It was September 23rd. Mm. 22nd? Yep. 22nd. There you go. Close enough. Uh, Scott Duffy. So here's something that's very interesting. Curious to get both yours and Phil's take on this. Um, John Ramsey, another quote here. We know there's evidence that was taken from the crime scene that was never tested for DNA. There are a few cutting-edge labs that have the latest technology. Uh, that's where this testing ought to be done. They are taking some of the evidence, uh, and they are going to now test it with the latest technology. Why in the world, Scott Duffy, would they have waited this long to test untested pieces of evidence, Scott Duffy. I can come up with two. First and foremost, you have many blunders, as I think the world knows of what happened here. So to have uh, one piece of evidence or numerous pieces of evidence not being forensically tested properly is, I don't, I, I think would just follow the, um, the many blunders. That's one thing. And then secondary, the fact I, I say to kudos to the police department that there, if there's not missing evidence, but everything that's been collected that just hasn't yet been tested, then um, well, good for them. It's never, never too late. 
So DNA has made many strides just in the last few years. And so things that couldn't be done even five, six years ago, six, seven, eight plus years ago are being done now. And so, for example, I remember a time where touch DNA was you have private labs that were saying, yes, we support it and we can derive DNA from it. And then you have accredited labs, Quantico, uh, the FBI lab being one of them, where no, we it's not, science hasn't yet proven or shown. And now, now you know, everything is coming, coming aligned where it is something that is of value. So all these things don't really, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't even put it on the police department to say they haven't been tested. The fact that you have, you know, just, just myself going to CrimeCon this past September and sitting in on a few of the workshops, it even threw me back with regards to what they're doing now since I left five years ago. So the fact that they have these pieces of evidence to be tested is a, is a great thing. And I hope uh, it results in something that uh, leads detectives to a perpetrator or more than one. And uh, by the way, uh, I forget who it was already, but this article is all single source, which, as you guys know, I've said this in the past, it makes me nervous. However, Steve Helling, who used to be with People Magazine, is now with a you'll hear about this publication all over the place because they're deeply funded. And it used to be, I believe, owned by the people that own the political magazine, The Hill, but now it's called The Messenger. And Steve Helling now works for The Messenger, which is where a lot of this reporting has been done. Uh, but he's an excellent true crime reporter. And I, I, you know, sometimes you have to go with your gut. So my gut is telling me that his source, his single source on all this is right. Uh, but you got to keep in mind that it's a, it's a single source and people get burned. So we're assuming that all this is happening and moving forward, uh, but it is definitely not 100% proven that that is the case. Um, Frankie Fig says, apparently they're looking at John Marcar a second time, and I've heard that as well. If you don't know who he is, he's kind of a bizarro-looking figure. Looks a little, may he rest in peace, a little like Pee Wee Herman to me. Um, and he's a guy that they brought over from Thailand who had previously admitted to the murder, and then his story just didn't add up. Phil, what's the deal, by the way? Why do people confess to crimes that they don't commit? What is the psychology behind that? Well, I'm not a psychologist and don't play one on television, but my my sense is, is that these are people seeking attention. They are wrapped up in whatever that particular case is because of the nature of it. That case would be easy for someone, the John Bonet case would be easy for someone with that kind of a mindset to get wrapped up in it and become obsessed with it. And then they want to become a part of it. So how do you become a part of it? Well, you, you pop up and you say, I did it. So I, I don't find it terribly surprising that someone did that. In fact, when that started, I seem to recall when that all, when all that stuff started and he was in Thailand or wherever he was, I questioned it from the very beginning. I watched the interviews with him, uh, watched him getting taken into custody and all that, and I just didn't. I mean, if it turns out now that, yeah, he's the guy, when well, so be it. But at the time, uh, he just appeared to me to be a, uh, a grandstander that was seeking attention, and he got it. Yeah, and he's an odd fella. 
By the way, Scott Duffy, you look at this name of this uh, STS Nation member. How do you pronounce it right here that's on the screen? I, I would say McSpunky. And Phil, what would you say? Say that again. How would you pronounce this gentleman's name on the uh, comment that you're looking at on the screen? McSpunky? Yeah, it's McSpunky. How else would you pronounce it? Well... For a while, I was I was so I, for a while I was pronouncing it MC Spunky because I don't know why because I had interviewed at one point MC Search maybe it was stuck in my head anyway. Well, I would think I would think that like MC Hemp, correct? But it's separated a, the M and the C and they would be all caps and then you would have Spunky. But you're he actually joined he has joined them together in the common spelling of McSpunky. You're a hundred percent right. You know, I'm doing 13 things here at one time. And, uh, I thought at one point it was MC. Then one night the COE said, why are you calling MC spunky MC spunky? Are you really 85 years old and don't know that it's mix spunky? And I was like, I'm in my fifties, but I'm an idiot. And then mix spunky got, was making fun of me that I was calling him MC spunky, but now I'm going to call him MC just because that's my nature and I refuse to admit my mistake. But uh, look at this. Uh, Jamp, by the way, Mick Spunky's uh, donated quite a few uh, memberships. He's a stand-up guy, even though I've never met him, but I feel like he's a fellow brother because he's a member of STS Nation. Jams Jameson says, John Mark Carr is a joke. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think they're seriously look at him. looking at him. There are better suspects. Um Scott Duffy, this is interesting. Again, you answered this a second ago, but it irks me that there's evidence at that crime scene that they never sent over for DNA testing, which they're apparently doing now. And it's going to be uh, they're going to generate a profile that's going to be uh, compared to multiple public databases. Uh, but what's interesting uh, is that the Boulder police now are saying, according to this source on the record, that they don't expect to learn that the six-year-old beauty queen's killer was a member of her family. Now, John and Patsy uh, and Burke were all cleared, so I don't know how big a statement that, that is, but basically they are coming out publicly and saying, look, there's no way the family did this. What does that say uh, to you, uh, if anything, that they're just on the record saying uh, – they actually went on to say that the DNA will, in fact, belong to an intruder, not to anyone in John Bonet's family. What What do you say about all that? I, I mean, my questions would be: What is being tested? Are they swabs, for example, outside the home near the window, the 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 this basement casement window, right? That is supposed to be at least the the point of entrance and exit. I would like to know, door, like the doorknob, I would imagine the very room that, that uh, John Bonet was locked in. Um, you know, the fact that, that of all the other rooms, the way, at least the way my memory's taken me, when law enforcement did a canvas inside the house, they went and looked at every room that they can gain access to. Went to go check on a door, it's locked, don't inquire who has a key or how we could get in, just move on. And then if my memory serves me right, that a secondary search at some point later that evening was done to where um, 
the father then opens that door. Tell me if I'm wrong with that. So let's take it that this is an outsider, an intruder. So you have, if, if gloves aren't worn, the fact that, that, you know, you have a known door um, where the last person who's shutting it is your killer. And, uh, and so thereby, you know, is, is that doorknob, would that doorknob be removed, much less just swabbed? So I, you know, 1996 versus today, I don't know their protocols for a crime scene, but I, and, and I, I've also read articles. I'm not sure, and maybe Phil, Joel, you know, if there was ever a statement provided by the Boulder Police Department that said, we are no longer looking at the family and they've been exonerated. I I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's coming from attorneys. No, they were, they were cleared by the police department as far as I know. And it was back in, I want to say 2008. Uh, I might even have it in my notes, but, uh, but they were, they were cleared. Uh, I know that. For, for as being suspects or just being connected to any DNA. As being suspects, which is, that's why this is a little weird to me because now the police are on the record saying that they don't expect it to be a family member where you cleared them. Right. So that's the part that's confusing to me. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's, everybody expects that, Oh, we found a gun. So there's DNA and fingerprints all over it. And often there are not. So there it's, uh, it's hopeful, but it's not definite that, you know, they're going to find something, but it's, yeah, it's, I think it's all great information that you have new eyes and new forensic testing where that takes them hopefully is, is down a road that gets them closer to the, to the truth too. But I don't, I, I'm not sure where that's going to go at the end of the day. I'm just, I, I would imagine everyone's happy. Well, especially the family that there, there are new eyes and moving forward, whatever that means. I, I, I would feel better knowing that something came out from the police department as opposed to private investigators or attorneys working on behalf of somebody. Uh, Cosmic Shy, thank you for the super sticker. Boulder uh, PD, please release all necessary for DNA, for testing. Uh, you heard Scott mention the doorknob. Um, by the way, misdemeanor og where's the guy who falsely claimed that john mark Carr? uh it's funny you ask because i just saw an interview uh and i don't know how i know this he's not in a psych ward he's now living he was living in thailand when he was brought over for questioning and now he won't say where but he's living somewhere in western europe and the reporter who talked to him said he was in a high rise doesn't know which city which country but it is somewhere in western europe that guy has always given me the heebie-jeebies uh is it him i don't know but if they can figure out the dna uh evidence that will uh obviously go a long way for trying to figure out who did this so phil waters love to get your uh thoughts on whether or not it was a doorknob but before that so this major shakeup in the boulder pd was announced um after this 27 year sort of debacle uh, the lead detective, Phil, on the John Benet Ramsey case. First of all, does it surprise you that the lead detective is still there from 1996? They've been demoted and put on the night shift, and a gentleman named Maris Harold is now the new chief. He comes over from Cincinnati. 
And the new assistant chief comes from Aurora, Colorado. But the new chief of the Boulder PD is a guy named Chief Maris Harold. Uh, first question, the original detective, the lead detective, still there and now demoted all these years later. Does any of that or what part of that surprises you? Well, the fact that he is still there, uh, what's that, uh, 26 years, 27 years? Um, that is pretty amazing, although I don't know how long he had been there at the time. So, I mean, I retired with 33 years in. So, um, Phil Waters, yeah. do you think that his clearance rate and confession rate is as high as yours, Phil Waters? Well, <laughs> If we're using this as an example, probably not. I had to ask. Continue. And he got demoted, right? Did you say he was demoted? Yes. Phil Waters, were you ever demoted in your time at the Houston PD? No. Didn't think so. Go ahead, Phil. I'm asking these questions because there are Phil detractors every once in a while who say, what does Phil know? Phil knows a hell of a lot. Well, There's you know, than- I, I don't, I, I don't care about those. I mean, I, I don't care what they say. Look at this, preach, Phil, preach, Phil, for misdemeanor OG. I, Phil, um, I guess I'm goading you, uh, and getting you. Well, fired you're trying up. to get me to say something that will provoke the haters. <laughs> uh, no, I really. I could, I could, we could get back in the discussion about rap music. That's no, 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 no. That Let's seemed. Uh, provoke a whole lot of people and so again someone said someone did say to me someone did say a few people why in the world would you have phil waters a man that does not like rap music talking about tupac shakur and my answer was very simple he's a homicide detective he's a homicide detective i'm not i'm not a music critic i don't give a flying crap about all that so (laughs) yeah so that all was funny i mean that was really funny i was reading and i was like you know it's, it's it's pretty amazing that the uh uh, that folks, I mean, get so wound up. And I, you know, I went back and looked at that. I always look at our show to see if, gosh, did I say something that like that? And I've never said anything like that. And so, uh, these, these folks that come out with the, uh, you know, that I'm this and I'm that and blah, 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 especially talking about a topic that, promotes some of the worst qualities of people uh, and it's popular, uh, it kind of goes to making my point again, these people. Uh, I mean, profanity and personal comments and, oh, it was, it was interesting. But uh, we've been through that before and that's that's fine. It's just a, you know, new wave on an old beach. Uh, and bottom line is, I don't care. I just find it interesting. So anyway, what was your question? Question is uh, multifold, but first off, there's this new police chief. Uh, his name is Chief Maris Harold. He comes from Cincinnati, obviously a big metropolis in America. Uh, but the question we were talking about when we got spun off because of me was the fact that this lead investigator still there 27 years later, and he's, he's been demoted. Uh, but, you know, when the new chief comes in, uh, and it's been said that the chief wants this case solved. You know, where do, if you were the chief, where would you start? By the way, Case Mantel says there was no intruder, implying it was a Ramsey. Uh, I guess you still have to leave that possibility open. But uh, Phil Waters, where do you begin as the new chief here? 
Well, you begin at the beginning, and you find the first thing I would do if I were the chief with my experience is I would get the commander. I'm, I'm assuming they have a homicide division. I don't know if Boulder is that big. Sometimes they have a just an investigative division, and it has components that are specialized. But whatever that, whatever that makeup is, I would get whoever the commander is, current commander, over the investigation, investigative divisions. And I would say, I would add, my first question would be, who is your best homicide cop? And if that person is your best homicide cop, explain to me why he's the best homicide cop. And then once we've determined who that person is, or if there's a couple, or if there's two or three, then I'm going to take those folks and I'm going to ask what was their involved, have they had any involvement in this John Bonet case that's been lingering for 27 years? And are they tunnel do they have tunnel vision? you know and depending on what their involvement has been do they have tunnel vision uh, have they uh, are they able to look at this thing with what we've been saying here a fresh set of eyes and maybe work backwards and then come forward again but i would be asking a lot of questions about the quality of the investigator or detective that we are now going to place in a position of responsibility for pursuing this thing now and we're not going to leave any stone unturned regardless of what has happened in the past um we're going to start this as though it's a fresh investigation and those are the questions i'd be asking make sure we've got quality people on there and do we need to ask for help anywhere else where there are other agencies involved in this that may have some perspective so uh this chief, it sounds like that is what he's done. He wants to get this thing solved, and he has put some people on it that have done exactly what he tasked them to do, was, which was to find a new piece of evidence that had not yet been examined. And, Phil, you're going to tell me you have no idea because you're not inside the investigation, but if you had to guess what kinds of pieces of evidence they are examining for DNA that they would not yet have already examined, what would be some of the first things that come to mind that you think they might be testing now? Well, I have no idea. I knew you would but say having said that, having said that, yeah. you know, there, because when, when, when DNA is tested on a, on an article of clothing or an instrument of some kind or a weapon, that kind of thing. There's always the danger that you're going to dilute the DNA, the sample. You're going to use it all up. And there are, when those pieces of evidence are examined initially, it's not like they just throw this whole, like they take, you know, her dress or her underwear and just it's just like one big piece that they lump in there and somehow we get a dna out of it profile out of it so they're looked at meticulously and to find the areas in which are the most probative pieces of evidence and 
there may be, this may be the case where they've gone back and looked at those pieces of evidence and determined that looking at it again with a fresh set of eyes, that we now recognize that there may be some other areas of probative evidence that are going to result in different tests. Test. So uh, and it sounds like that's what they've done. And I don't know what piece of that that, that came off of. I don't know if it was if they if they tested another section of fingernail scrapings. I mean, I mean, who knows where it came from? But that that DNA stuff, it's not like on television. It's not like you run in there and you grab all this stuff up and then all of a sudden you you plug in your computer and boom it's throwing up you a, you know a picture their address their phone number you know who they last slept with and all that other crap so it's just not it's not television stuff it's very methodical the testing itself is and then you've got to be concerned about was there anything compromised i mean i'm thinking about how the scene was so unsecured from the beginning i had a scene where it was a terrible scene this woman was stomped to death in her own kitchen blood everywhere we get a fingerprint off of the stove and we're thinking oh yeah well it turns out that i get the phone call from the fingerprint examiner the late the late lab and uh print lab and they asked me if I know this individual. Well, he happens to be on my squad. So when he was at the scene, I didn't make the scene, but when he was at the scene, he leaned over to look at something, and what did he do? He put his hand on the stove for support and left a fingerprint. So these things happen. And so my concern is they have found this new piece of DNA, presumably, and did they do this initially? Did they go and test the DNA for every officer that walked into that scene or handled any piece of evidence? Because you've got to eliminate people. It's as important to eliminate people as it is to find the right person. So that's my concern here is that things that were done or not done in the beginning, is this just going to end up being a new piece of evidence that leads us back to a police officer, a patrol officer that made the scene or a detective that showed up? Or, or some other person that was involved in the scene itself that had nothing tied to the actual the actual murder. So um, it's it's a complicated it's a complicated business, especially on a case like this that was so screwed up from the very beginning. Mm. Uh, analyst set says, "I had never heard this. By the way, the ransom note is similar to one written when Adolf Coors was abducted in the 1960s, also in Colorado." This note can be read on Wikipedia. Very, very interesting. Never knew that Adolf Coors was abducted and that there was a ransom note. Who knew? Um, some interesting comment here. Cosmic Shy, by the way, with a super sticker. We hope for justice for John Benet. God wins. Uh, look at this. Beth D. I just followed you on Instagram, Joel. I hope you will all follow me on Instagram at Surviving the Survivor. I just posted the board that has the two nurses name one mabel one rose both nurses for my young son judah when he was born and uh, look at this mc spunky otherwise known as mick 
here's my donation to put into Joel's GoFundMe to get a Ferrari. And it is it got a yellow backdrop like uh, Phil's yellow Ferrari. Every little bit helps. Uh, about 73 years from now, I'll be able to afford Phil's Ferrari. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, by the way, final quote, then we're going to move on. Um, the Boulder police, this source that uh, this reporter from the messenger spoke to, uh, says and admits that the Boulder uh, Police Department, quote unquote, effed it up. Uh, he says we did. Uh, so the new chief feels like the best way to fix our legacy and to turn things around is to solve this case. So let's hope they uh, solve Tupac Shakur. Let's hope they can solve this one. But now we're moving on. Uh, if I can find this. This name became popular over the weekend. This cute, adorable little girl. We go from Jean Benet to Charlotte's uh, Senna or Cena. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, the man accused of abducting her. Uh, she's just a nine-year-old girl. She was abducted in New York State. Uh, he doesn't look like the most well man in the world. Um, he is accused of abducting her. Um, and now his name, by the way, is Craig Ross, 46 years old, who, by the way, has some children. Sort of thankful he is not my father. Doesn't look uh, to be in the best of shape uh, mentally there. But you see the police at work in upstate New York. Charlotte Senna and her her family was camping. Uh, she disappears. And uh, before we get into the uh, details of what happened, Scott Duffy, they are now uh, announcing that they're looking at this guy. There's a couple of uh, murders and disappearances from 20 years ago, uh, and they're now looking at him as a possible suspect. Uh, one person was 18-year-old Jennifer Hammond. Uh, she was abducted and murdered, and then 19-year-old Christina White. Uh, does it surprise you, Scott Duffy, in any way that they now have this guy who they caught using a DNA fingerprint analysis, uh, that they're now looking at him for potential murders in this same area from 20 years ago? No, and as we have talked before, the you know you have here a kidnapping, and and so thereby you have to look at this individual for the unsolved, the missing, the potential kidnapping led to homicides. So it would not uh, would not at all. You have a new individual now on the scene, and so thereby it allows detectives to trace where he's been over however many years, and then to say what typically similar cases, like this is a nine-year-old as opposed to an 18, 20-year-old, so, and, and people can change their colors, but um, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. They're going to look at all previous similar cases, missing kids, and, um, and take a hard look at this guy. And if there is anything that... In a evidence storage locker room in a police department, now they have somebody that they can start tying things together. Hmm. Uh, by the way, Tiff Knox says, how old were these nurses, implying that Mabel and Rose are old lady dames? Uh, there were 173 uh, combined. No, I have no idea. They were like normal people. Yeah, maybe a little bit older. I don't know. Like, not that young. Uh, I have no idea. Um, Phil Waters, to you. Um, you know, just kind of reading through this uh, in passing, there was a statement that said that ransom abductions 
are extremely rare. Uh, have you found that to be the case in your investigative work? Is that true that very infrequently people ask for ransoms? Yes, the the I worked kidnappings. We worked kidnappings and homicide, and uh, the FBI was always involved in those as a support uh, group and providing resources that uh, that assisted us in those investigations. I can only think of one where a ransom was actually demanded, and I want to say we got to it. We actually, we actually uh, got to it. We got information about the kidnapping that was going to occur, and it was going to be a ransom that was going to be asked for, and we were able to get to it ahead of it. But I, I don't think I, I can. I can't recall working a ransom kidnapping, and they are rare. And put put the uh, put the suspects face up there again. Yes, sir. Hang on one sec. Uh, there he is. There he is. Craig uh, Ross. I know, I know they're doing their due diligence and looking at these other cases, but this idiot here, I don't think he could find his butt with both hands. I mean, look at what he did. He goes up to their house, to their mailbox, in his vehicle, and puts a ransom note in it. And yeah. then they find him living in a trailer. This sounds like a Saturday Night Live routine, right? They find him living behind in a trailer behind his parents' double wide, and uh, he's got her stuffed in a cabinet somewhere. So um, he's an idiot. I'm not sure he is the uh, arch sexual predator thinking guy, but um, they do need to look at those cases, of course. But it looks like his pattern of behavior here is that he had, you know, asking a ransom. And by the way, the uh, I think is it the FBI that's got this uh, uh, child abduction uh, recovery team? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, called, I, yeah, it's the child abduction um, rapid deployment card. Rapid deployment team. That's it. Yeah. Okay, and they were involved in this as well. Yeah. Uh, so um, this is the outcome that everyone prays for at the beginning of one of these things, when these, when these children are abducted. And in most of these cases, as heartbreaking as it is, when the child is abducted, they're dead within 24 hours, they're within hours of the abduction. In this particular case, of course, it looks like the motivation here is money. And this guy... I would imagine he's not talking to anybody. He lawyered up immediately, so he's not that stupid. But he uh, he must have been sitting at this campsite looking for the opportunity. That's what it. That's what just what little I know about the case. That's what my first blush on this was. This guy has been sitting there waiting, and sure enough, she goes riding off on her bicycles and wants to make the loop one last time by herself. And bingo, he's got his he's got his prey, and he snatches her up. So I don't know. It I think the release has been that it appeared at least uh, looking at her uh, any any physical harm that has come to her at least it wasn't visible, and we don't know if there's any. I'm sure they did kits and, and 
testing and so forth and so on. But uh, let's just pray that he didn't do anything other than kidnap her. And I'm not minimizing that at all. So everybody just, you know, don't get their panties in a wad because I said that. I'm just saying that uh, this is a this is tremendous. And and all the law enforcement that marshaled together in that short period of time. And they had, I mean, immediately they had surveillance set up on the parents' residence. And that's how this thing happens, right? This this detective that set this is what I've read. The the detective that set up on the house, it was his shift, and he was watching people deliver things to that mailbox. This guy, I mean, this is this only comes from working the street and developing those instinctive skills as a police officer that led him to do some follow-up on that guy. That that didn't look right to him. And so that ends up ultimately, I believe, ends up ultimately leading to getting him identified and so forth and so on. So, uh, but the bottom line here is kudos to law enforcement that came together in such a mighty way to uh, find uh, this little girl alive and uh, and get this guy in custody. So, um it's 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 one of the outcomes that we always pray for, and it's just very rare. And I'm just I'm so thankful for the uh, that this has happened, and, and for the family and and uh, and that community. That's just uh, I mean you can't say enough about the results here. Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that, Phil. We're going to get into that in a minute. I know that's going to fire you up, but of course that very. Uh, a depth police officer already being criticized by the public and the media. And we'll tell you why in a minute, but uh, hang tight. But uh, you knew that was coming. Uh, Robin, Robin, not reticent about giving a $5 super sticker. We appreciate that uh, very much. Um, Mike Krzyzewski from Duke University is in the chat. Coach K, uh, he now coaches Pilates. He says there's too much chit chat. Get to the case. Uh, Coach mm -hmm. K may be new here. And he might run the uh, Duke University Pilates team now, but I run this show. And uh, Friday's all about chit-chat. So, uh, STS Nation, let him know. Let Coach K, even though he's taken Duke <laughs> X amount of championships, that um, oh my gosh. I am now uh, in charge of uh, the STS basketball team and Pilates team. Uh, look at this. Mick Spunky saying, I hope to make it to CarmCon in May. So, Scott Duffy. Uh, this is interesting. New York police uh, had this vehicle description thanks to this astute police officer who was uh, he was kind of keeping watch outside the family of Charlotte Senna's home uh, at these campgrounds. He sees this weird car drives up. Uh, someone gets out, puts something in the mailbox. Uh, he then goes and uh, just makes a, a note of that. It stood out to the trooper. Uh, the direct quote from the supervisor here is one particular vehicle that had slowed and stopped briefly looks suspicious to the trooper upon finding the letter because this guy left a, a ransom letter letter. They immediately communicated the vehicle's description to the non-commissioned officer in charge and a bolo a be on the lookout was issued to all surrounding patrols. 14 hours later, they get the fingerprint DNA off of this uh, ransom note. Uh, they set up a staging area. They were able to track him down. But of course, the criticism 
uh, Scott Duffy, and we'll get Phil's take on this too. Critics are now asking why that state trooper who noticed the strange car, why he did not go and arrest this person right then and there. But you have to know that a lot of people were coming up to the house to check on the family and people were checking in. It was a constant stream of cars. Uh, Are people just never happy? There's too much chit chat. Police aren't arresting quickly enough. Um, Whatever other complaints there are. What's going on with the state of human beings, Scott, that they are criticizing police for doing an outstanding job? I I don't have an answer for that. Sorry, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all they need to do is spend one day in the life of an investigator, of an investigation, and just see how complex it is. Um, And perhaps the, um, the, the, the rule was, Hey, just, just make notes coming and going. You have just, just think of law enforcement already putting a police officer to watch surveil the house, which is a fantastic and probably often uh, left out piece because a lot of people want to be in the middle, in the inner circle, part of the action. And sometimes um, you forget to put people on the outside to say your job is nothing but to observe. And and so all these pieces were in place. And um, and so let's back it up. Let's let's say the officer did exactly that. Let's say the officer made a stop. Um, let's say he reads the note, the letter. Let's say all that. So what what do you have now? Let's just say the everything was different, that he had this girl locked away somewhere other than his house. And so now you're left with somebody who's already proven to um, to have lawyered up. And so now you have a missing child and somebody in place. So so it's TV land. What what are the naysayers and the guessers doing? And now you're you're searching for a girl that could have been and things would have been altogether different. Let's say she was in a shallow grave and he's like, I'm not telling you. So all these things, you know, you can always what if and second guess. Um, But, but police work worked and, and it didn't work in a half hour episode of CSI. It worked in the real life. All pieces came together an observant officer combined with all the forensics and 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 then of course you know thank god this girl truly was a ransom not injured not killed and uh, left waiting so i i don't think there's now you'll always have a debrief and say okay we'll learn this or do that but i don't think there's anything negative you can take from this investigation i just uh, well, misdemeanor here says, uh, Coach K, you should have seen the first 13 minutes of the show, followed by Marking Time, who says, Buzz off, Brad. Fridays are miscellaneous chit chat days here, and that makes us all happy, especially me. Um, where was this other comment? Uh, where's this other comment? I don't know where it went. Someone said, Phil, that people are just never happy. I think that sums it up best. There's a quote from Joe Jackalone, retired NYPD sergeant, about the criticism. He says, and I quote, 
Even when the police do everything right, they are wrong. Policing must be very easy since everyone on the internet can do it. Do you agree with Joe Jackalone? Say that quote again. <laughs> even when the police even when the police do everything right, they are wrong. Policing must be very easy since everyone on the internet can do it. I would I would agree with that. I, I'm just gonna I, I'm amazed. I, I really am. I, I shouldn't be uh, but these uh, you know the, the bedwetting critics that never have anything good to say about law enforcement. Uh, uh, you know, living in the, you know, camping out in the basement uh, of their parents' house and hiding behind their monitors and their keyboards. Uh, I, I would just say this, and, I, and I've said it before, of all the jobs that I've had, of all the jobs that I've had, scooping ice cream to construction to being in the Marines to uh, sacking groceries, whatever it may have been, uh, I've never had a job like law enforcement where there were more people that knew how to do my job better than me having never done it. So uh, I'll leave it at that. And all these other people are just in my world. They're just cannon fodder. I don't have time to even pay attention to them. Well, Cindy says at least they, uh, they should run the plate number on a suspicious car followed here by someone who does believe Linda glass says the police did the right thing. Phil just waved his hand in disgust at the run the, uh, the plate numbers. Uh, but there were a lot of cars coming through I mean, I think it's good that that person at least made a mental note, knew to go back, and that's what, you know. Well, look, okay, Let's. Uh, so Scott was talking about possible. Okay, so, so let's just say for the sake of our discussion that he goes after that one car. Mm -hmm. All right? He's already noted that it, there's something different about it, and that's why he goes to the mailbox and finds that letter. So uh, let's say he does that, and let's say it's not the guy. And the guy that really did it comes in behind him while he's jacking with this other person. And then we, we lose all of that. So uh, these coulda, shoulda, wouldas, I tell you what, these people, you know, they need to lighten up, Francis. I mean, you know, take a breath. By the way, look, at this is a beautiful Friday sentiment coming from Michael Couture, who is a little upset with Phil because uh, Phil's, uh, disinterest or dislike of rap music, but Michael Couture says, thank you, Phil, for coming on this pod weekly. I think he says this sincerely, whether I agree or not, it's ugly enough to make any effort at all getting to the bottom of justice in this country, but I appreciate your effort. So look at that. Uh, men coming you, together. As we would say here, mahalo, Michael. I appreciate that. There Very much. Go. I really do. I really do appreciate that. Yes, uh, very, very good. I was a little harsh on Michael that day. I was standing up for uh, Phil Waters because people people said to me, well, why would you bring Phil in? But Phil is a homicide. They want to know why I would bring in anyone who was not a fan of rap music. But the bottom line is Phil is a seasoned homicide detective, and uh, he lent a lot of expertise. Well, in you know here. what? Here, here, let me let me say something about that. I don't, I don't hate <laughs> these people because they like rap music. So why do they hate me? Because I don't like. <laughs> See, that, that's what amazes me about this whole discussion about music. Hmm. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me what they like. I could care less. If they that, want to listen to that stuff until their freaking ears bleed, I don't care. So why are they so concerned that I don't like it? So, you know, these people, I mean, 
it, it, it's it's kind of amazing to me it, to to some degree that they're more concerned about my well-being than I am when it comes to listening to the type of music that I want to listen to. Well, credit to Michael Couture because uh, he is a, a a bigger man uh, than me. He's coming out. He's saying, you know, he's he's make he's making uh amends and peace, even though he doesn't have to. And I love having him on the show a little bit, giving us a $10 super sticker saying, Scott, well put. That's exactly right. As a mom, all I would want is my child back. And we know the percentages is not in the child's favor. Love STS. And then this is a fantastic comment from Cosmic Shy. Stripes movie, lighten up Francis, laughing my you know what off. One of my dad's favorite lines. That's a great movie, man. That's exactly right. Lighten up, Francis. One of the best movies. All right, switching over to a depressing Friday topic. Uh, we've covered it a lot. Obviously, we're talking about Brian Koberger. Of course, we always remember Kaylee Gonzalez, uh, Zanner Kernodal, Mad- Maddie Mogan, and of course, Ethan Chapin uh, when we discuss this. But uh, this is interesting um, to me. Uh, there is a uh, investigative reporter who, who does, covers true crime, who's also a PI. He has a book out now called "The Night Idaho Slept." It's written by J. Reuben Appleman, and he spoke to the surviving victim's father, uh, DM. I'm not going to use her name, but DM is uh, one of the two surviving victims, and uh, she said, Scott Duffy, that. Uh, she is now isolating herself. This is according to the father through this reporter. So these are not direct quotes from the father, but rather from the reporter who wrote this book while Idaho slept. And uh, she says she's I- isolating herself uh, after experiencing brutal, quote unquote, dog piling on social media since the quadruple murder. Um, again, this guy spoke to the father, Um but she appears to be um, just starting to get out of uh, immense trauma and basically being frozen in her steps, unable to function, now sort of starting to, to move along. Um, how important is it to hear from this reporter and this father of the surviving victim to kind of get her state of mind, or is it not important at all? Mm. I mean, I've always said from day one that I can't imagine what it's like to be in her shoes and to have experienced what she experienced. I just, it's, and, and so I, I feel like she was a victim regardless. The great thing is she survived and he did not, whether he was paying mind or was in his tunnel vision his laser focus to exit and so thereby just she was not part of the equation um but yet for, i i felt like she she made it into an affidavit she was important in the investigator's mind to have contributed a little bit enough of what she saw timing and everything else clothing little bit about the bushy eyebrows and so forth. So I felt like she did her part, what she could, but I, I, I felt like she was getting attacked from so many people again, like we see here, you know, people coming out against cops because, oh, you didn't make a stop in an investigation. They have no idea what's going on. 
And so they offer a comment. Um, and so for, it's, it's nice to know that perhaps she's doing better, but, um, you know, the, it, it was enough to have suffered what she found out the next morning of what took place to her friends and roommates. Um, and then to bear that guilt. So I, I just feel like that's a, that's a hands off, um, and allow law enforcement and the mental health, the victims assistance coordinators to, to kind of help her in this process. So, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's tough to, to, um, to, to figure out or try to assess what, why she did or didn't do something. And I don't, I don't think that's our play, especially when we don't know, right? We don't know what state of mind she was at that time. Um, she's a college girl. And so, you know, you have to ask people, step back in your own college days, wherever your mind is at that time and, and take away a traumatic event. Think of the lack of things that you do or don't do, but then to add um, an event like that, not so much what she saw at the moment, which was shocking in and of itself, but then to have learned later on what she actually did see, that 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 that's a lot of weight to put on one set of shoulders. Yes, it is. Uh, Abby, ha 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 ha. I'm going to write a rap about minivans, about mine maybe. Phil will love it. P.S. My husband Hub said, "Phil, you are a smart man." I uh, would expect we- nothing less from my adopted daughter. Thank yes. you. Um, look at this. This person must be related to Coach K. It's not the worst thing I've ever watched, but get to the point. Thank you, envious Canadian. Um, I take these well, comments for Canadian. He's a Canadian. Canadian. Well, yeah. he's got a whole other set of problems. So, uh, or he or she or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm, maybe, uh, maybe it doesn't know what it is, but uh, you know they got a whole bunch of problems. I'm going to let envious Canadian just deal with the wrath of STS Nation for that comment. Um, I would not say that I am vengeful, but. Uh, that comment is going to gnaw away at me, eat away at me like hydrochloric acid. And I may or may not hold a grudge for the rest of my life. But this is our Friday show. If you don't like so much chit chat, then maybe oh, tune what? in the rest of the week. There you go. Uh, Elf just happens to say, go Ferrari, Phil. Totally agree. Not exactly sure what she's referring to specifically there. Um, but there you go. Uh, Phil Waters. The father here, through this reporter of DM, the one of two surviving Idaho four victims, says this was part of the trauma that she experienced. Dylan herself has retreated from the public eye. Very few people see her. Her father expressed heartache over his daughter's suffering from brutal cyber bullies. I was just cyber bullied by this person after the trauma. And, and I just am a lowly nobody podcast host. Imagine if I'm a victim of uh, one of the most heinous quadruple homicides in American history. So she says, he says that she's just trying to recuperate. She says she's in the process of healing. And here's the quote from this reporter. She's in trauma therapy of sorts. She's getting help from the spiritual community, isolating herself, but she is stepping out a little at a time. She is gaming online with peers and group gaming sessions. She's doing what she can without going into public. I mean, Phil, this is a 
beautiful young girl at the University of Idaho, smart college student, her whole life ahead of her. She gets caught in the middle of one of the most horrific crimes. And there's no doubt that the rest of her life is going to be marked by this. I mean, I know you're not a psychologist, but you're a dad. Uh, what kind of advice as a father would you be giving her? Um, what would you be saying to her? Um, she has her whole life ahead of her. She has everything going for her, but probably forever. She's going to feel guilt that she didn't do more. She didn't say something. She didn't call police. She survived. The other people that didn't survive. I mean, this is a very humans are complicated. How would you address this? Well, let me understand the backstory here. Who wrote this book and why did they write it? Okay. So he's a private investigator. His name is Jay root the initial j reuben appleman uh he i had not heard of him but apparently he's sort of well known uh he was working on a book which is either out or about to be out called while idaho slept and for full disclosure i reached out to him to see if he wants to come on to discuss the book and uh, he's a private investigator and an investigative journalist so uh, mm -hmm. as part of his work he decided to write a book and he is the only person to speak to dm's father the only person Okay, well, and what's the purpose of him writing this book? What's the purpose? Uh, he did not state that. Um, I do not know. Um, I, I guess to give some insight into what happened while Idaho slept that fateful night, um, you know, back in November well, of last year. I don't know. Is there, I, I guess, I one of the questions. I don't, have a, I don't have a lot of regard for anyone that attaches themselves to these high-profile things and decides to write a book uh i mean i don't really i mean just me i don't really care what he has to say i don't think there's any i, I don't even understand the reason for writing this particular book where he is talking about this young woman who found herself in a situation that is going to affect her for the rest of her life um i can tell you had i been her father and he'd have come to me, his nose probably would have been rearranged mm. uh, on the door slamming in his face. I, 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 don't, I, mean, I don't know the whole story behind this thing, but um, I just, it's a piece of literature that's probably not necessary. And maybe, maybe after a trial and things are over with and it, if this young woman uh, wants to write a book, well, then I can see that because it, it would be somewhat therapeutic for her. But for somebody who has no skin in the game, other than the fact that they're interested in this thing, to write a book about this young lady who he's never spoken to, spoken to her dad and getting a perspective that in translation, we don't know what it is. Um, I don't, I think the whole thing is. Phil, what about the legal repercussions with a book out there? Uh, I mean, the defense can obviously use that in their discovery and then their case. Uh, how does that possibly impact the trial? Sorry about that. Oh, the bozo horn. I heard a touch of the bozo. <laughs> I thought I had it all turned off, but, yeah. uh, I got to touch. Look at um, that. It's not a show without the bozo horn. We got to get nugget in before the end of the show. But Phil, yeah. what about how can this impact the trial itself? The fact that there it is again. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
trying to kill this thing. Okay. I just had a horrific okay. thought. There you go. I Sorry. Just had a horrible thought that something happened to the Ferrari, but go on, Phil. No, 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 no. That's actually my uh, my kids and my mm -hmm. wife and me are on this thing that they call Mayo Lovers, which is a group text thing mm. because they all obsess over mayonnaise. I can't stand it. And so uh, I'm just part of this thing. So that bozo hold, horn will be going off. But hold now. on. This just went right over my head. The, the Waters family has group chats about mayonnaise? Yeah, that, they dubbed this. They dubbed the group. Um, they called themselves Mayo Lovers. Mayo. mayo. Let me tell you something. One of the things I hate most in life is mayo. I cannot stand it. Well, I love I it. And you love it, all my, kids, all my kids love it. They buy like tubs of it. Scott loves it. French fries, hamburgers, mayonnaise. Oh, that, is, that is Scott. Oh yeah! Scott, I didn't need to know that, man. Yeah. My whole, oh, my whole opinion of you has yeah. now changed drastically. I cannot stand mayo, but why would? I'm just so curious why the Water family would title their group chat "Mayo Lovers." Like because we had this discussion about it. Oh, oh, they're like sending memes and pictures of freaking mayonnaise to me. Mm. Um, and so you know. Yeah, I'm with you, Phil Waters. I'm with you 100%. By the way, Ketchup says, ha-ha, welcome to STS where we buzz off Brad. Yes, we do. Uh, look at this. Michelle Burns, buzz off Canadian from another Canadian. <laughs> Maui Swift, another Canadian in front of the show, not polite Canadian. Uh, yes, look at that. Well, um, well, we got way off on the because of the buzz off horn thing. But yeah, I was going to ask you. So so in terms of a trial, how how yeah. Yeah, possibly detrimental. Back to the topic. Back to the topic. Yes, people are now what panties are wadding even as we speak. Whoever does not think this would be the greatest halftime show in the history of the world <laughs> is just a, well. You're going to watch what? Bruno they, Mars, you know, like sing the, the usual. Problem. Well, I don't listen to Bruno Mars. Yeah, but or uh, who, I don't know who they have. Someone already for this year's Super Bowl. I don't know who, uh, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, it's going to be. Uh, is it Beyonce? No, who is Usher? Usher, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I like some of his music, by the way. Yeah, I like. Some I actually, music. I actually met. I'm trying to think of where it was. I I had to take an elevator with Usher at some event, and he was actually a super nice guy. Yeah, super cool. Uh, I like. Some, I like some of his. I like some of Usher's music. Yeah. What a beautiful <laughs> smile he has. Um, Phil, what about well, how this? Yeah. I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does this affect the trial? Well, I, I don't know, but it could. I mean, this all this crap that's coming out here, uh, it, there, there's always the possibility. Well, I turned that thing off. He's doing it on purpose. No, I turned it off. Look at this. 51 million other channels on YouTube. By the way, I'm very... Um, well, I apologize. Thank you, Jay. Why would someone be here if they don't like it? Because they want to complain. They like complaining more. I've never well, complained you know a day what? in my life. Uh, these people need to uh, get a sense of humor. Uh, that's the problem with most of them, right? They're humorless. Humorless. They go to life humorless. 100%. They're, uh, 
you know, they're a 100% pity party all the time. They're victims all the time. Every, everything's a victim. But anyway, uh, back to the topic. So any of, the, any of these things have the potential of nullifying a jury. So to write these books, to me, I guess they just, it's similar to the guy that come and say, I did it, you know, and didn't do it. For whatever reason, they're, they're promoting themselves is what it boils down to. If, if they want to write a book when this thing is all over with, and then we go and maybe we talk to her directly because she decides that she wants to tell her story in her words. That's the way to do this, to be respectful, to treat everybody in this process with dignity and respect. And I just believe that when people do things like this, they're dropping the ball on those two aspects of how we relate to people. And, and so if he does come on your show, my question would be to him, what's the purpose of writing this book? And if he had some sort of legitimate purpose, What's the purpose in writing it now before this case is even adjudicated? I love both questions. There'll be questions one and two if he says yes. Um, look at this. Marking time. Phil has clear common sense. That's becoming a rare quality, and consequently some nowadays misinterpret that. I love Phil. I wish he had been our detective during my family's meetup with murder. Sorry that you had to deal with that. Um, there you go. Um, and then this from Kelly Jansen. Joel, reach out to cold case detective Ken Maines. He has a YouTube channel. I'm very aware of him. Uh, we've talked to him a few times, but he's, he's tough to get a hold of. He did a deep dive on Ellen Green, Greenberg's case. I think he could be really helpful. Um, I'm also speaking to a retired detective right now, former sergeant uh, in the Philly Police Department, and we're going to get another show very soon on Ellen Greenberg. This next case absolutely um, affected me in a very profound way. And I'll tell you why in a second, but this is uh, a Brooklyn activist. His name is Ryan Carson. Oh, yeah. uh, he was murdered over the weekend, not the weekend. What day is today? The weekend's coming this week, Thursday night, uh, not Thursday night, Wednesday, maybe. He, so the suspect in the deadly stabbing um, is, was arraigned last night and his name is brian dowling 18 years old um he's been charged with murder with depraved indifference and criminal possession of a weapon and the bottom line story here uh, and this is why it affected me so much on closed circuit video and these are the things that phil and scott would see all the time and have to pour over but i don't i try not to watch these things so here I am watching a beautiful young couple, 31 years old, in Brooklyn, and they are just minding their business. It's like four in the morning, and they're walking home, and he's with his girlfriend, this guy Ryan, and you see him taking steps, and I'm literally saying to myself, these are the last steps he will ever take in his life, right here. And a guy comes basically out of nowhere, couple of words are exchanged and he is stabbed in the chest and just crumples to the ground. And uh, you see it all. You can Google it. Not going to pull it up, obviously, but you can Google all this. 
Here he is just minding his business. What appears to be completely random takes one step, two step, three steps. This guy comes. You see him kind of like poke the knife at his neck. He takes a couple steps back, gets stabbed. And now you even see the girlfriend's reaction. She, she doesn't even you can tell she has not processed it because she's still talking to the suspect. Um, and then she sees and she just starts. She sees this guy, her, her boyfriend on the ground, crumpled over. She begins to talk to him as though he's OK, but he's not. And he ends up dying right there on the sidewalk. Um, Scott Duffy. What about the fact that this was just as far as we know? just a completely random attack. Here you are. You're with your girlfriend. You take one step, two step, three steps, and that's the last step you ever, you'd ever taken in your life because some guy just decides to come out of nowhere and stab you in the chest. Is there any advice or words of wisdom you can offer uh, upon hearing this? Mm. How much time do we have? <laughs> Another seven hours. Yeah, we, this um, you know this this is a full and this just this explanation of this last um, crying piece can pretty much sum a lot of what we've been discussing with regards to uh, the victim of of uh, who witnessed Koberger leave to to um, to the police officer who 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 witnessed. We're talking about things that you see and you're not processing. And here, you know, you have a um, a college girl going back who sees something that's out of place, but not quite. She doesn't know what took place. And then here you have the girlfriend who witnessed the absolute horrific, violent crime take place, and you don't see what people think that would be the response of a witness or a victim because uh, I too can see almost her. You're, you're absolutely right. She hasn't yet processed, but she's also extremely brave. She's not running away. She's not running down the street. She's not even, doesn't even seem to be putting up a defense. Um, and so, because she is not, she, she's not seeing what just took place and what just took down her, her boyfriend. So it it is unfortunately just yet another horrible crime that seems to just be unraveling more and more throughout throughout not only this country but everywhere. But I think you know as Phil uh, maybe I a little bit less but but because we've seen and people, you know, th the depravity of so many people and the roads that are chosen for them or not so, right? And I, and I and I say mental health; it's not so much a chosen road, but the um, you know to to realize that life absolutely can be cut off, and it is your moment. I mean, this is this. If people ask, well, why do you believe? Why do you have faith? This is it. I think law enforcement has him has increased my faith as opposed to staring down the other way and saying, well, if, 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 if the good Lord allows all this to happen, then I don't want any part of it. No, it's, I believe that it's just everything we see and witness is an absolute testament to it is, it is that bad. And so what are you going to do about it to make it a little bit better? Not, not only that, but to realize what your own life is about. 
and that it can be over a second later. As, and, and you can see it. It's very difficult to witness somebody who is entering the last few seconds of their life and for their soul to have departed this world forever. Um, it, it's, it's just, I say, hug the ones that are close to you each and every day. Tell them you love them, not only for their sake, but for your sake. And uh, because, you know, and we've said it before, um, tomorrow is not promised. So just unfortunate that it, that life does come to an end through somebody else's violent act. If, if, if only we could remove that, what, be- what a world this would be. Beautifully said, Scott. And uh, that is what profoundly affected me, Phil Waters, is literally watching the last steps of a human being's life, literally in the prime of his life, 31 years old. I did see reports of this. DeMar says, and he spit, meaning the the suspect on the girlfriend. And uh, the uh, police officials say that this guy, Ryan Carson, put himself between the, the stabber and his girlfriend before the fatal attack. So he got in the middle to protect her. He said that there were no prior interactions between Carson and his girlfriend and the suspect. So they literally just did not uh, know each other at all. Um, We've got this video. Um, It is being quoted by a former NYPD chief of detectives, who's an ABC News co- contributor, saying that this is a rage homicide. It's rare in New York City. I don't know how rare, and thankfully so, but a terrible incident. Just walking down the street, you get stabbed to death. That's really dangerous for the city to incur. People don't feel safe when that happens. Well, that's stating the very incredible, obvious stuff. But Phil Waters, um, I mean, hopefully there's something to be learned here. You know, is there anything that one can do? I mean, this guy was a maniac. He came out of basically nowhere. You could tell he's in like a heightened rage, spits on this girlfriend, according to reports. The guy tries to get in the middle and calm calm it down, and he's just stabbed. I mean, is there anything else this guy could have done potentially? And I'm talking about the victim to try to um, suppress the situation, uh, but... I personally don't think there was because how can you calm down a maniac? Well, that's a, that's a complicated question or maybe the answer is complicated because there's not one size fits all here. I watched the video and we watched the, the, we watched this evil doer because let me, let me say something here. Scott's already going to get him going when he mentions the word faith, (laughs) but so I'll just, build on what Scott's already said. Look, here's the bottom line. The world is black and white. The world is right and wrong. The world is good and evil. What you're seeing on that video is an act of evil. Mental illness and all this other crap that people try to make excuses for, that this is a mental illness problem. It's not a mental illness problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's an evil problem. And this person, if you watch that video, and I've watched it two or three times, you see the perpetrator, you see this guy walk past them while they're sitting on the bench. I mean, the first thing I saw was when he's walking by and he's hunched over, that guy, there's something. 
And I wasn't even sure that was the guy that eventually does commits the act. But the first thing I picked up on was this person walking by them as they're sitting on the bench. He is hunched over. He's, he is driven. He's going somewhere with a purpose, that person. And then he ends up being the one that walks down to the end of the further down the sidewalk and starts kicking a bunch of trash cans or something. He's already in a rage before he even confronts this young couple. And then he gets focused on whatever he's mad about, whatever he's angry about, he now gets focused on them. And they're the ones that are going to suffer all the consequences of whatever rage and whatever evil he's experiencing at that moment. And it manifests itself in stabbing this young man while he's trying to protect his girlfriend. So, and she, I mean, you watch this thing unfold and she doesn't even understand what's just happened other than he's, she's seen her boyfriend, what she think I guess is getting hit and he falls to the ground, but she's not really, she isn't comprehending what has just happened here. And, and then this, and then the guy does come back and spits at her. Well, he, he got, he kind of does a little juke at her and then he spits at her and then he leaves. And it, it, it's amazing. You know, whether you, whether you want to believe it or not, the devil rules the earth and he's down here and he's doing exactly what he's doing. And these acts of evil, he roar, he, he roams the earth like a roaring lion seeking to devour souls. And that guy that did that thing apparently has had his soul devoured and he commits an act of evil on two innocent people. Now to answer the question about what could have been done in cases like this, should have, could have, would have really don't matter. I mean, my, my take would be the first thing that would have prevented this from happening is don't be out on the street at four o'clock in the morning. That is, you're, you're setting yourself up. I used to tell my kids, there's nothing going on in the city of Houston after midnight that you need to be involved, period. <laughs> and, 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 and as much as it, it's just atrocious, but this is, this is a consideration. And then the other thing would be is uh, go get a carry permit. But this happens in New York City, right? Yeah, you're not getting a okay. firearm in New so York City. The crime in New York City is out of control like it is in most major metropolitan areas in this country because of weak need politicians who want to favor the criminal over the victim. So you're seeing the results of all these left-wing liberal freaking policies in these cities. By the New way, York. I got I got to say on top of that, adding to that, that this DA Larry Krasner, who just won re-election in sort of Scott city of Philadelphia. The guy is letting these people have been looting like crazy in Philadelphia, breaking into stores and he's letting them off with a slap on the wrist, but does not investigate a homicide that happened in 2011. So the uh, irony is delicious there. Uh, look at this. Get ready. Cause this is the type of thing. The other, the other thing is, like I said, get a carry permit, but I to get one in New York city. It's impossible. You know, it's almost yeah. impossible to do. And they, you know, so I mean, there's a lot of things that could have happened here. He could have, he could have just 
you know, my, my sense is in this particular case, though, even if he had retreated, even if he had taken his girlfriend and said, let's go the opposite way. He was coming after him. Pursued him. They were, he would have he he pursued him. Phil, let me was, ask you a question. He approached him. So, yeah, I, I'm just telling you, this is, it, it is heartbreaking to see something like this happen. And uh, you can Phil, thank defunding the police. You can thank for all these things that are being done now to facilitate the criminal and the activities that they engage in. So we've got to, this is, this, this is the kind of case that I would take and I would watch this kind of thing and it would make my blood boil. Yeah. This it, is it, so it, unnecessary, the taking of this life, so unnecessary. And It's, uh, it's very know, disturbing I, to watch. Phil, I got to ask you, because I don't know the answer to this. Uh, if it was you and not him, God forbid, uh, but you had your firearm with you, at what point would you have removed your firearm and taken aim at this guy? Because it, it went on for not long at all, but a few seconds, and it happened very quickly. Um, you know, he came at him once and then came back and kind of nicked his neck, I think, and then stabbed him in the chest. But would you have immediately removed your firearm uh, as soon as this guy made forward movement toward you? Well, the minute... The minute he turned, if it was me, yes, I'm asking if it was uh, you. I I wouldn't have found myself in that position to begin with, but let's just say I was. Um, the minute he turns his attention on me, he's going to be looking down the business end of a 45. Oh yeah. Mm. And uh, Phil, does this surprise you? From Demar, he cried in the police car when arrested, tears running down his cheek. Okay. He's crying for himself. That's that, that's completely self-absorbed, a selfish act. So, you know, I'm sorry. Crocodile tears don't mean nothing to me. I've seen him a thousand times. There you go. Uh, last story, uh, sort of a fun one, if you can say that, to end off a uh, sort of rough week for me, everybody. Uh, not going to whine and complain to you. I reserve that for my beautiful mother who's tells me I better stop or she's going to disown me. But um, it was a rough week. It was high stress. I don't know why, uh, but I like to be stressed out uh, and it's a bad place to be. I don't recommend it. Uh, be like Phil, be happy, wear Hawaiian shirts and live in Hawaii and hang out with Nugget. Um, but here, here's a final story. It's not really a crime story, but I'd love to get Scott and Phil's take. An Airbnb renter is now dubbed uh, as she apparently refuses to leave a multi-million dollar rental in Brentwood in Los Angeles um, as the tenant from hell. That is what they're calling her. Uh, there's a homeowner in Brentwood. His name is Sasha Jovanovic. Uh, he's a successful dentist. He has this beautiful home in Brentwood. He rents out. Uh, he has a, a dental practice. He rents out sort of a guest home in Brentwood that has this unbelievable view to a woman named Elizabeth Hirschhorn. Elizabeth Hirschhorn went to Harvard University. The quote says, when Elizabeth Hirschhorn's Airbnb stay ended uh, in April 22, she just simply didn't move out. She's been living there rent-free ever since, and she refused to budge unless this uh, landlord paid her a relocation fee of $100,000. For whatever reason, uh, she says she was not required to pay rent because the city had never approved the unit for occupancy and that the shower was, was constructed without a permit. Keep in mind, she went to Harvard. Uh, she's no lawyer. I don't think she might be a lawyer, but she's smart. 
And so she's using these code violations. And now she's actually suing the landlord. Um, the landlord says, I tried to be a kind host. I had no idea she would become a tenant from hell uh, because she stayed in the unit for six months. She recently qualified for, uh, Phil's going to love this, for LA's recently adopted Just Cause Ordinance, which requires a landlord to have a legal reason to evict her. And if there's no legal reason, the landlord is required to pay for relocation for the tenant. Why anyone would live in L.A. after reading this story and so many others, I do not know. But um, Phil Waters, I have to go to you here on uh, this one first. Let's say this was you, Phil Waters, and you had a woman living in your rental guest home and she was now suing you and making you pay a hundred thousand dollars to relocate her refusing to leave off the premises would your blood boil phil waters and let's say she told you all this while leaning on your yellow ferrari that wouldn't happen <laughs> I, I tell you what this is just another this is this is uh I guess this is L and my niece lives in LA. By, by the way, the COE says I intentionally rile up Phil. I really don't. This is just uh, an interesting story okay. to me. I really don't, but go ahead. Phil. But I, I will tell you, um, this is a perfect example of how out of control the rights of law abiding citizens have been removed from them. So apparently in LA and probably throughout California, who has the largest population of homeless people in the country, by the way, this is their answer to homelessness, is to put people or allow people to stay in home that they do not own, did not build, did not pay for, because they themselves are homeless for their own reasons. This is, this is, this is out of, this is this is the inmates running the asylum. This is totally out of control. There is nothing right about what you just described in terms of that property home. And in my mind, I mean, I mean, the fact that in in why she's not arrested for very at the very least for criminal trespass, I have no idea. It's it's insanity. And. And then the other side of it is, of course, it's it's everybody's tax dollars that are paying for this nonsense. So the, the solution to the problem is not to let the people that are the problem become more of a problem. That is, that, that's, not, that's not the solution to it. So she should have been removed immediately. Police should have been called there and said, you need to leave. He's telling you to leave. And then when she said, I'm not leaving, they should have hooked her up and stuffed her and taken her to jail. And then he can take all of her trash and burn it. I, I mean, this is this is amazing. To me. Phil, what would you what would you do if you were living in L.A. and this person would not leave your property? What would you do? You probably I mean, I feel like you would lose like your patience. Maybe it's hard for me to speculate, but I would never live in L.A. There you go. So oh, there you, there you uh, go. Just to speculate what I would do. I, I would never put myself in those circumstances, but uh, that's insanity. That, like I said, that's the, uh, that's the inmates running the asylum. So, 
Yeah, sensory combustion says jail is adequate, affordable housing. Misdemeanor says Joel, stir it up. I'm not stirring it up. I'm, I'm merely asking Phil questions I know are going to enrage him. That's all. Um, well, now, and so let me say this: I have to get my first my my interruption in, right? So yes, buddy. Please do. Shook up about that. So let me just say that Scott's peaceful countenance is keeping me not quite as animated as i could be <laughs> so, so just know scott that your your peaceful countenance is having an effect on me to the degree that i'm not my head isn't exploding my <laughs> eyes are open. so there you go uh, listen let's not uh you know color scott as though he's a complete pacifist he himself told us that there was once a famous maui artist drawing his home in the middle of the street and he <laughs> spun him around and patted him down but oh uh, my god well that artist was a victim that was a yes. victim of, of scott's brute approach <laughs> to law enforcement scott duffy what would you do and then we're gonna have to wrap quickly because believe it or not i have to answer to a higher authority on friday nights and not only that mike i have to meet my kids in a few minutes if i'm not there they're going to be alone but scott duffy to you uh by the way i still think this would be what do you think is the highest super bowl halftime show ever it's got to be like michael jackson i say that sts fridays great scott's your true crime phil doubles those numbers but scott duffy what would you do in your palatial suburban Philadelphia state that in your guest home, you allow uh, an Airbnb person and then they refuse to, to leave. And then the city of Philadelphia says that you've got to pay or whatever the suburb is that you have to pay a hundred thousand dollars to relocate them. What would you do? Mm. I think I, I would um, find myself in the loony bin. With with uh, it's just crazy with all these and, and I don't know how many if they're all the states or whatnot, but these squatter laws and these people who I don't care where they've gone. They know exactly what they're doing. They are fraudsters and they know how to find their way to somebody's house. And it still boggles my mind every time. It almost seems like every week there's some report of somebody who's taken over a house after a death of somebody and and then they're not allowed to be kicked out they're not allowed to be charged with what seems to be burglary and um and then it turns into this long court battle of an innocent hard-working individual who decided to purchase some real estate in hopes of renting out having some rental income and being able to satisfy the you know people being able to have housing and they're they're cheated they're they're and and the and the courts mock them the courts it seems like so many courts just dismiss it and i just don't know what 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 is happening i just it's it's extremely mind-boggling and that uh, this is yet just another case of the rights of a criminal a fraudster, a burglar who knew exactly what they were doing when they got there and took advantage of somebody. And I believe you can turn people crazy. Absolutely. By mm. I just, I, I don't know what we're expecting to, to have people like that, the rent, the, the owners and say, what are the limits of your patience? Cause we're going to test it and then we're going to blow the roof off of it. 
and you're going to do nothing except take it. I just, and, and that's the law doing that to them. Yeah. Well, well, the great, the, the great Phil Waters has always said, given the right circumstances under the right time, uh, you know, the most benign person could commit the most evil act. And uh, maybe that would be Scott and Phil if their tenant refused to move out. You just never know. Uh, have faith, 365, cut the utilities and tell the tenant they need to put utilities in their own name, which they probably wouldn't be able to do because they don't own it, but maybe they can. Uh, look at this. Scott is a Zen master, misdemeanor OG. Scott is the best drug. Uh, what a way to put it. Uh if it was me, I would take her. Uh, by the way, they're on a massive cliff overlooking L.A. I would toss her off the cliff, but that's just me. Um, Scott Duffy, as we close out, and uh, I don't mind, mean to rush everyone, but again, I do hire to an uh, answer to a higher authority, which Phil Waters has uh, given me permission to do on Fridays. Uh, love Phil's passion, by the way, right here. Uh, some people have asked. Um, Scott Tuffy, how about this? People have asked, is mental illness on the rise uh, since COVID? What do you think of that? And your final thoughts on this beautiful Friday, Scott? COVID has done a lot of things to people. So I'll, it's, uh, it seems like there's an uptick in um, no patience, no love, no respect. And, and, and I think that's been the uptick before COVID, but it seems like COVID flipped that switch pretty quick. Um, I'm I'm still not sure. I I just don't know what it what it is. So to think positive for this weekend, I think it's going to be a rainy weekend. Hmm. I have absolutely no plans but to chill. No classes. I do have some assignments to grade. So to any student that might be watching, I'll get those assignments. To, those grade those grades will be in. So. If you who haven't your, gotten uh, it in, get it in. Who, who are your Philadelphia Eagles playing and your Philadelphia Phillies? Ooh, yeah. So the Phillies Saturday, right? Well, they'll be in, in Georgia. They'll be in Atlanta. Mm. Right in the wherever my so I'm, I'm doing well, you have that on a rain on a rainy Saturday, you can watch that. Yep. So um and the Eagles, they're 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 perfect so far. So are I, you a bigger I, Phillies fan or big bigger Eagles fan? I, I think I'm bigger Phillies. Hmm. My uh, my youngest turned me into a pretty good. So I was at the game, as you could see. And yeah, have you ever been a, in a brawl? Have you ever been in a brawl at either a Phillies or an Eagles game? Because there's like no, seventy-five no. game. No, okay, no. very good. And I haven't seen it either around me, other than on news um, programs. But no. Yeah. Uh, for those who do not know, Philadelphia uh, fans are notorious for. Uh, liking to brawl uh boston sarah this is the best true crime show proudly addicted to sts thank you i would actually watch the super bowl if sts was on it uh beth d i just followed you on ig joe by the way if you can support us on patreon or youtube we'd really appreciate that and if you can't do that you're helping us a lot please give us five stars on apple Podcasts. that goes a long way for us um I this one i'm partial to and i'll tell you why after you read it from El Sabe. I love listening to you all, but mostly you, Joel. I could listen to you for hours. You have talent. That's why I like this comment. Um, but I would have to say that Scott and Phil are probably a lot more interesting uh, than me. Um, Phil Waters, your plan. And then uh, I'm going to try to 
once Phil is done, I'm going to say goodbye, and I'm going to try to roll the closing animation all by myself without the COE's help. Um, Phil Waters, your final thoughts on this beautiful Friday. I know you're getting ready to leave the Big Island soon, and I know you're not happy about that. Uh, How is all that progressing? We will be back in Texas uh, around the 1st of November, and we will be spending our time there, so we... We've been very blessed. We we always say that uh, we have the best of both worlds. And now we discuss that we're in, uh, we work in Texas, but we live in Hawaii. So uh, we're uh, very blessed to be here. Um, and, you know, we've had some pretty intense, intense discussions today about some intense things. And, uh, you know, I'm always... Uh, interested at uh, reading people's comments about how they deny the obvious and uh, try to explain things that uh, are unexplainable except in one way. So um, anyway, all those people, as I've said before, I still love them, still praying for them. In fact, I did this morning, as a matter of fact. And so tonight is uh, Bible study. Tomorrow night is pizza night. And I'm picking up my Ferrari in the morning, by the way. Mm. Right home. So that's, that's, that's the old Ferrari. That's the red Ferrari. That, that's the 308. Yep, the yep, one that's yep. here. And mm-hmm. by the way, I think I'm correct. You were talking about the biggest Super Bowl halftime yes. show? Yes. I believe it was, what's her name? Rihanna? Rihanna? Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah. I believe it was her in all her pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, and you remember the wardrobe malfunction, but let me tell you something. And by the way, my wife is sending me hate texts that I got to get out of the wardrobe and Janet Jackson. And yeah, wardrobe. But I still believe that happened, that, that, actually happened, that happened in Houston. At the oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, I still think that uh, Grace, Great Scott, your true crime Phil would double the numbers of any of those shows. I dare any any uh, executive running the Super Bowl to contact us, I guarantee you it would double if not. Well, double. you know what? If, if if we if Scott and I got together and we put a rap together, mm-hmm. uh, that would probably enhance the uh, the curiosity. Anyway. Yes, it would. Well, listen. On that note, before I uh, my wife uh, sends me divorce papers. Love you, America. Uh, love you, Houston. Love you, the big island of Hawaii. Love, love you, Delaware, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Republic of Ireland, the UK, Buenos Aires, and Tasmania. Until next time. Uh, by the way, Friday, uh, Monday, I'm sorry, is Dan Markell's birthday. We're going to be remembering him this coming Friday. And then Tuesday, we're back on Dan Markell as this trial gets uh, very close. Uh, we're going to look. They're trying to... Uh, they're trying to, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, um, put the parents of Charlie Adelson in contempt of court because they're now refusing to testify. So we will be covering that. Until then, let me try to do this. Love you all. Here we go. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. 
get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs> 